Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in to episode 12 of the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm here with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's good, my dude? Well, you know, working this nine to five, it's been a little tough, especially with the NBA in London, England uh, today, this Thursday. I, I missed my Sixers taking on the Celtics. Uh, look like an entertaining game. Haven't even seen the highlights yet. I'm just a little, I, you know, they lost in jolly old England to the Celtics. I'm feeling a little down, but, I, you know, there's some pretty good NBA action on tonight. So I'm not feeling too down. And as always, man, just the NBA has been fantastic recently. Well, I will say, Webby, you're, it's probably better that way that you missed the game because it wasn't a good showing by your Sixers, or at least it was for the first half. Second half didn't go too well. Ah, they must have been uh, maybe enjoying some pints out <laughs> on the town. You know, uh, I, I saw they were meeting uh, members of Chelsea and Arsenal. Okay. And, you know, like, maybe they were a little starstruck. We got to get them back in the, uh, in the city of brotherly love, you know? <laughs> Fair enough. But speaking of nights out, I mean, we're recording this right now. We just started at halftime of the Raptors game. The Raptors are absolutely just dominating yeah. the Cavs in the first half. And you mentioned it nights is. out. There's a lot of things going on right now. And I, I just tweeted it out. But, you know, maybe a little too many nights in, in Toronto for the Cavs. As the Cavs have been here since, I think, Tuesday or Monday night. And once you get into two nights in the city of Toronto and you're not used to that, that wave's a little bit too much. <laughs> you might get caught up in that wave. That's all I'm saying. And the Cavs got run over in the first half. Last time I was in Toronto around uh, New Year's, I went to this great bar called Mahjong. Yep, yep. Oh, I hope that they were there because I had a pretty rough morning the next day after <laughs> I was there. I'll tell you that. Shout out to that bar, by the way, owned by friend of the show, uh, Kyle, who uh, is a really good buddy of mine, actually. Good buddy and good buddy of a beer. If you're a longtime listener to Yon Blast podcast, you're familiar Thanks. with the beer. So shout out to hey. Kyle and the bar Mahjong. Check yeah, it out in big Toronto. Shout out to Kyle, man. That place was jumping when I was there, let me tell you. <laughs> well, the Cavs better get jumping in the second half or else they're <sighs> just done. A crazy first half by the Raps. And I mean, people probably didn't expect this with no Lowry, no Surge, which we'll get to later on in our wrap it up segment, just what's going on with the Raptors. But overall, like, what did you make of this game so far? Well, it's like, what do you put more stock in? The Cavs' porous defense? Is that for real? Or is the, you know, the second unit of this Raptors team for real? I mean, it is something to behold. I mean, you hear about it in Toronto media, but I don't think that the rest of the NBA world is really taking account how good the Raptors' bench is. Yeah. Uh, and man, I'll tell you, they are, are subbing these guys in and out. And getting up and down the court, man, it is very impressive. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's still a whole first half to play, and you'll probably hear us react to whatever, <laughs> if something's going on down the stretch. But, I mean, the thing to me with the bench going against the Cavs team, it's really a clash of styles, I think, right? Because the Cavs, they want to dictate the pace, right? Like, you have these guys, LeBron, and, you know, even if the second unit comes in with D-Wade or Isaiah, whatever, like, these guys are used to playing at their pace, whereas this Raptors bench, with this new uh, culture change that they have in Toronto, 
The Raptors bench is just go, 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 go. And they're young guys. So they're getting all the loose balls. They're getting all the offensive rebounds. They're getting like all the hustle plays and the quick ball movements and the back cuts, like all that stuff that happens with fundamentally sound teams running a system. That's what you're seeing right now with the Raptors bench, as opposed to the Cavs who are kind of just like trying to walk their way, like sleepwalk their way through a game, you know? Not only that, but I mean, you talk about the youth of the Raptors bench and kind of the old age of the Cavs bench now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's two totally different styles, two totally different generations of players. Do you know what it is, too? It's funny. Uh, Charles Barkley always says this on TNT. He's like, you can tell when somebody gets old. You can tell when a star or just any NBA player gets old because they get into the lane and they start up faking. Yeah. Just, just watch D Wade lately. That's all I'm I'll say. Say, dude, I, I don't want to slam D Wade because that's my dude. Years now. Well, that's my dude. D Wade's my guy. You know, I don't want to slam D Wade too much, but no, I can't. All I'll say is, yeah, that old adage from Charles Barkley. I heard him say that. And then when you pay attention to certain guys and they get to a certain point of their career, definitely a telltale sign. How often you get in the lane and you start pump faking. Once you get to one, two, three pump fakes, right? You're kind of watching. so true. Look at uh, Carmelo now too, right? Oh, jeez. Tough stuff. But again, rap's going on with the Cavs right now. Hopefully they can keep this up. And as always, we'll like touch on that as the game goes along. But we do have a full show plotted out today on the Ball on Blast podcast. We'll be talking a little Lakers, just what's going on with that dumpster fire. We'll hit up... Uh, What's going on with Paul Pierce? He's angry at Isaiah Thomas. The T-Wolves, are they for real in the West? We also touch, will touch on the Raptor situation overall, just with the injury to Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka. There are some fights. Some hand trading. There was some hand trading going on earlier this week. There's something going on, right? We got big balling in Lithuania coming up, and of course, the Ask on Blast segment. But as always... We'll start with the turn up, turn down segment, Webby, where we make a statement and then ask the question, do you turn up or turn down? As always, turn up equals good, turn down equals bad. First topic, the Lakers don't want to play for Luke Walton. Now, this comes up because your boy, LeVar Ball, all the way from Lithuania, is still making news. As he said, quote, you can see they're not playing for Luke no more. Luke doesn't have control of the team. They don't want to play for him. That's a good team. Nobody wants to play for him. I can see it. No high fives when they come out of the game. People don't know why they're in the game. He's too young. He's too young. He ain't connecting with them anymore. You can look at every player. He's not connecting with not one player. Shout out to double negatives, right? (laughs) So what do you make of this, Webby? The Lakers don't want to play for Luke Walton. Turn up or turn down? I'm turning way down on this. Turning way down. First of all, the Lakers, they're not a good team. (laughs) Okay, look at the lineup they're putting out there. They've got a couple of NBA players, but I don't think that that that's a lot on Walton. And I I know you're not the biggest Luke Walton as a coach fan. Nope. But to say that they're not playing for him is kind of crazy. I don't think that that's coaching. I think that that's kind of the young team that they have. And if you really want them to connect with a coach, you don't bring in a, a, an older guy, okay? Like, the one thing about Luke Walton is that he is a young coach and he will connect with those players. Mm-hmm. He's won championships on that floor before. He's got the rings to back it up. He may not be a you know six-time All-Star or whatever, but 
he he knows what it takes to win in this league. Uh, and listen, LeVar Ball's just saying this because Lonzo is not having the rookie season that uh, LeVar and a lot of other people thought he was going to have. But to peg that on Luke and to sow those seeds of discontent like this, nah, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that for a second. Yeah, I, I found it interesting. Like As, as much as LeVar Ball has made so much noise heading dating back to last year when Lonzo was still at UCLA and he hasn't stopped. If anything, he's probably just gotten louder. But my issue with this thing is of all the wild and crazy things LeVar Ball has said, this might not have been the most far-fetched thing, right? Like, is it that far-fetched that he might find out from his son that they've tuned out Luke Walton? Like, I'm not saying that's true, but I'm just saying everyone's reaction to what LeVar said about this, like, I was just kind of like, why is everyone just completely writing it off? Do you know what right. I mean? Like, of all the things LeVar Ball has said, it's not that far-fetched to me that he could find that out about his son, especially when we've already heard the rumors about them having players-only meetings or team meetings where, you know, all the young guys are frustrated and worried about next year and worried about contracts and worried about all these other things. And plus, you know, is it that bad to call out Luke Walton, a guy who's won 38 games in like a year and a half? Like, I just think oh, that yeah. because no matter what, LeVar Ball could say anything. He could say the sky is blue and people would be like, oh, he's annoying. He's yelling. He's blah, 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 blah. Right. And that's kind of my issue with where this is going. But what but the did problem you is, is that the problem is, is that LeVar has kind of set himself up for this. Yes, that you is know, totally by, true. By being out there and being so outspoken, he might say, hey, the sky is blue and people are going to disagree with him. You got to give some of that uh, responsibility on LeVar for being the crazy, outlandish, <laughs> outspoken guy that he's been. It's true. It's true. You're, you're totally right there because, you know, if this was for real, like let's say Lonzo did tell him this, right? And this is the one time that LeVar is actually saying something credible. We wouldn't, like the majority of the population wouldn't take him in, right? Right. Uh, what did you make of the, the sort of fallout of all of this? Like just in terms of Luke Walton had a funny response to it. He kind of joked around about it in a postgame interview where someone asked him, uh, why Lonzo was subbed out early in the first half? <laughs> yeah. Did you did you catch that clip? Yeah, it was so good, and so that's kind of the the reason why I, I'm turning down on this mm -hmm. is that if something were wrong in LA with Luke Walton, he wouldn't be making light of this. I don't think. Very true. That's so. That's totally true. I get that, and it, it's funny too because Luke Walton didn't seem too mad, but you had Carlisle, you had Steve Kerr, you had yeah. Stan Van. All these coaches super upset and trying to to push for ESPN and all these other networks to stop covering LeVar Ball. What did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, this whole NBA coach fraternity taking the game a little too seriously, they, they got to relax, man. Especially with what Carlisle said kind of bugged me. I know the Kerr thing bugged you, but the Carlisle thing bugged me in saying that the ESPN shouldn't even cover this. Yeah, you know, because it was an ESPN report that came out that Lavar said this stuff about Luke Walton. Yes, and and Carlisle kind of implied that you know ESPN shouldn't even write an article about this, <laughs> and I think that's just a slippery slope of what ESPN should cover and what they shouldn't. I mean, people are going to click on the article because of Lavar Ball. They're going to click on the article because of Lavar Ball. If you don't want them reporting about coaches, then we get into a a really slippery slope. Also too, like, I mean, if you were going to pick a side in terms of what ESPN is, 
or what just sports is now, like sports networks, whether it's more news than entertainment, definitely it's going to fall on the entertainment side, right? Oh, it's got it. So obviously, like to not talk to LeVar Ball, like say whatever you want. You have their, you love him or you hate him, but you feel something about him, right? And so that's going to always elicit some type of response, which equals clicks and ratings and all that other fun stuff, right? So that I found that really weird. But you're right about uh, my feelings for Steve Kerr, because Steve Kerr was going off on this like holier than thou type act and calling, you know, saying that LeVar has become the Kardashian of the NBA and like, you know, they're selling entertainment and all this stuff. And he's so pretending to be angry about that. And A... The day after, maybe two days after he said that, they had Dr. Dre show up at their practice, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which was like, okay, you were just trying to tell me about how this isn't entertainment and talk about Kardashianism and pop cultureness and all this. And you have Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre show up to your practice. Get out of here. But then also, he coaches the actual Kardashians of the NBA. Like, we all loved Riley Curry's press conferences. Aisha Curry has, like, she's on talk shows all the time. Yeah. You know, the cooking segments and her cooking shows. And Steph's all over commercials. And they're the Kardashians of the NBA. And nobody has a problem with that. Steve Kerr doesn't have a problem with that. But because you disagree with what LeVar Ball's saying, you're going to put it in the negative connotation. Like, that to me is so unfair. And he, he's yeah. taking a shot at just, like, the culture that we're in now in terms of, you know, what we deem as entertaining. Like you don't get to tell other people what's entertaining to them. Do you know what I like, mean? It just made no sense to thanking, me. Should be thanking his lucky stars that this LeVar ball situation is getting so much press because like I say, it's got more people tuning in to the, to the product, you know, For sure. whether it's because of this or that it's like the, the ends justify the means, man. And you can't pick and choose why people are tuning in. And you can't pick and choose why your sport is popular. And yeah. to make people feel bad uh, for for listening to what LeVar Ball says and to equate it with – and it, honestly, man, it's almost a little – I hate to say this, but it's kind of insulting to the Kardashians and the people <laughs> who enjoy the Kardashian product. You know, yeah. like does that make them less – like lesser than because that's what they watch. I mean, it's a very weird thing. Like Steve Kerr seems like a very smart guy, but this seemed like a really reactionary clip from him, you know? Yeah. And he, he was just talking about how, like the thing I didn't like was he was painting this picture of the ball family and, and how like, you know, they're just doing anything for comments or ratings or, you know, to become a, a, to hack the news cycle, right? Like that's kind of the news term of what's going on now. The new right. term, sorry, in 2018, you're hacking the culture. And how do you become a, the how do you become a part of the daily news cycle, right? And LeVar Ball has definitely figured it out. And Steve Kerr's kind of getting mad at this whole cycle and age of where things that we normally wouldn't deem as news is becoming news, right? And the thing that struck me of that about this was, don't you think this whole culture of like, you know, talking about LeBron every day or talking about whatever every day. Don't you think this same culture is what led or in part led Kevin Durant to join the Warriors because he knew this would be like the biggest thing ever to happen in the NBA, right? Like 
the Warriors would be the biggest things going. Like, I think that same culture that he's railing against in terms of LeVar Ball and wanting all the headlines, that's part of the reason why Kevin Durant left, no? Yeah, and it's part of the reason why his team is so successful. Exactly. Like, we'll get we'll talk more about the Ball family a little later on, more so about what's going on in Lithuania. But for now, I think we both agree, though, despite our disagreements on, like, Steve Kerr and all the other things surrounding it, we're both going to turn down on the Lakers not wanting to play for Luke Walton. Was there anything else you wanted to hit up? Just anything surrounding that part of it or no? No, man. It's just, yeah, salty coaches. It is coaches. What it is. Yeah, it's just people being salty. and Yeah, you, you don't know, like it, don't listen. Play the game. Yeah, you don't like it, don't listen. It's It's totally fine, right? Speaking of don't like it, you don't have to listen or watch, I guess, in this case. As we talked about on a few episodes back, when Isaiah Thomas had his first go-around in Boston, he didn't play in that game. And so they had scheduled to have a tribute video for him. And because he wasn't playing and his family wasn't going to be in attendance, he asked the Boston Celtics to postpone his video tribute until the next time he comes to town. Problem is... The next time the Cavs are in town, it just happens to be Paul Pierce's jersey retirement. <laughs> so Paul Pierce, who now has a he, – he's always on the jump. You see him on ESPN all the time now. Say, yeah. To me, saying the wildest, craziest analyst going right now. Yeah. He, he says outlandish like the, the hot take guy in the NBA right now. But his takes aren't even like his his takes not hot, <laughs> you know. <laughs> his takes are terrible. But anyway, but <laughs> but in this instance, right? Paul Pierce said about this whole Isaiah Thomas thing. He says, "Quote: I'm not saying Isaiah shouldn't get a tribute video, but on February 11th, the night I get my jersey retired, I'm not sure I want to look up at the jumbotron and see Isaiah highlights." So Webby, the question is. Paul Pierce should share his jersey retirement with Isaiah Thomas. Turn up or turn down? A hundred percent turn up, man. Yes. Like, are we gonna are, are, are we gonna take the whole game to uh, lift your jersey into the rafters? <laughs> no, that's not how this works, man. Like, listen, Paul Pierce is definitely one of the top five, if not six, Celtics of all time. Okay. Okay. I don't think there's any denying that. I'm going to ask Todd Macklin to double check that tomorrow, and I'll get back to you for sure. 100%. 100%. No, but go on. In, in terms of where he stands with the team, for sure. But listen, they're going to raise your jersey to the rafters. They're going to have a great pregame ceremony for you. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and well-deserved. Now, at halftime, or, or before the start of the third quarter, why can't you give Isaiah his props? Yeah, this is such a weird one to me in terms of Paul Pierce being salty about this, right? So it's literally, they're going to play a tribute video during one of the early timeouts of the game. Like, I just don't get why he'd be so salty about that. Like, is he expecting that because it's his Jersey retirement night, after every timeout, they should play Paul Pierce highlights? Like, is that what the plan is? You know what I mean? Like, what is he talking about? I don't even get what his issue is. They're literally going to play maybe what? A 45 second, maybe a minute and a half max? Video of Isaiah Thomas highlights 
during a timeout. He'll wave to the crowd. The crowd will cheer for him, and then everyone will sit down. I don't get the big deal about this at all, and I am uh, totally agree with you. I'm turning up on this. Paul Pierce should definitely share his jersey retirement night with Isaiah Thomas because it's not even that big of a deal. Wait, what's not big of a deal? I, I don't think the Isaiah thing is that big of a deal. Exactly, little, yeah. I don't think the yeah, Isaiah yeah, yeah, thing yeah. is that big of a deal at all. No. I completely agree. Paul Pierce should kind of get off his high horse and, if anything, embrace it, you know? Exactly. And say that, hey, listen, we're celebrating a guy who wore the green and white who got the Celtics back to uh, a, a great spot and put them in the spot where they are now in the top couple of teams in the Eastern Conference. A lot of that, you know, can be uh, looked at as Isaiah Thomas helped with that process, you know? And so instead of saying, hey, I don't want this guy to share the spotlight with me, if Paul Pierce was really about the uh, green and white shamrock, <laughs> he would say, let's also give it up for Isaiah, who did a lot for the Celtics when he was there. Yeah, my other issue with this whole thing, I think people are putting too much stock into the like tribute video. Like, who cares? Like, it's not even that big of a deal. Who cares? I'm sure there's some pretty like low budget, like terrible dudes. Not terrible dudes. I shouldn't say that. But you know what I mean? Like some second tier players that have gotten tribute videos when they return to a team that they played for. You know, what, you know what I mean? So, like, it's not Does that P- big of a deal. On. Does P.J. Tucker get a tribute video when he comes back to Toronto? <laughs> no, I don't think he does. But You don't think he does? No, I don't think he does. No, <laughs> not at all. But, I, I mean, who knows, actually? They do some weird shit at the ACC sometimes. So, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Paul Pierce being salty. We're both turning up on that. Uh, also too, Paul Pierce has been just saying some like crazy things. Like what do he say today or yesterday? It was Kevin Durant is like the best scorer ever or something like that. Something just uh, ridiculous. And it's like, come on, man, just stop, 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 uh, stop. Let's move on to the next turn up, turn down topic. And hold on. We've agreed on both of them, which is okay. I know we've got to disagree here. It's no, no, no. At some point. It's about the conversation, right? It's about the conversation. It's okay. It's totally all right. But who knows? We'll see what happens with the third topic which is the T-Wolves are a real threat in the Western Conference. Now, Webby, turn up or turn down. Turn up equals good, turn down equals bad, for those that don't remember. I have a feeling that we're going to agree on this one as well. Okay. Because I'm turning down. Ooh, okay, okay. Because we're talking about the Western Conference here. (laughs) All right? And and we've we've been talking about them a little bit, like with Steve Kerr and Kevin Durant. Listen, if Steph Curry's ankle injury, little sprained ankle that he had the other day, mm-hmm. if that's not serious, then then the T-Wolves have no shot. So are you at all like, have they switched kind of your, your viewpoint of what the T-Wolves were just because they had a pretty big week? Like they blow out victories against the Cavs and Thunder. Although we might be seeing by what's going on with the Cavs right now, <laughs> the Cavs, that might be more about what's wrong with the Cavs, right? Exactly. Listen, I, I just think that the T-Wolves are playing uh, up to the level that they should be playing at, what we thought they would be playing at the beginning of this season. Um, they're, they're playing a lot better defense. Cat has been unbelievable these last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and man, Jimmy Butler's really coming into his own. Their bench is a lot better than I think a lot of people thought. And I think that Tibbs is getting the most out of the team right now. Well, no. their bench, like they don't really go that deep at all. But I think like the biggest. Uh, I don't know. With Teague out, I think Tyus has been amazing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I got to give some credit to, to Mr. Jones for sure. 
But the but they definitely they definitely do rely on their starters. But I, I think that Ty Jones has done a really great job with with Teague being out. Yeah, he has done a really good job in keeping this team going, keeping them moving. And the other thing, they they seem to figure out their roles, right? And like Jimmy kind of has stepped forward to be the lead guy more so. And like Towns is going to get twenty and ten in his sleep, right? Like he's just too talented to not be able to do that on a nightly basis in the NBA. But I think in terms of follow me, like get on my back and follow me, like they kind of needed Jimmy Butler to step into that role. Whereas like uh, that forced, and I think rightfully so, a guy like uh, Andrew Wiggins to kind of step back and revert into like more of a secondary role, which, you know, heading into the season, we weren't sure how this would play out. And maybe people expected Wiggins to take a leap. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Like, I don't know if that's in his DNA to kind of be that, to be that guy. Like he might be better suited to play alongside a Jimmy Butler. Do you know what I mean? And and be that kind of like second tier, secondary scorer type guy, three and D when he can, you know, like your high level three and D guy. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I don't think that that uh, makes him unworthy of that number one pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the Cavs spent on him. Looking back, you would still take him number one overall. Yeah. Uh, even though, listen, hey, JoJo is the man. <laughs> but uh, just uh, of that class, you had to draft him first. Okay. And that's not to say that maybe he doesn't take a leap a little later in his career. True. He was a one and he was a one and done guy. But you're absolutely right. I think, especially on that team, he is a better second banana than he is the alpha dog. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, it looks good so far. Tibbs has done a good job in in realizing that. Like, he just sings the praises of both Jimmy Butler and also Taj Gibson and just saying, like, just how different those two guys have made, like, the difference that those two guys have made in their locker room and on the floor just in terms of leading by example, right? Like, those are, like, your lunch pail type guys, hard workers, no questions asked, no complaints, just go hard every day. And for a pair of youngsters like Towns and Wiggins, I mean, that's got to be a great place for you to develop and like watch those guys work day in, day out, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and you're really starting to see that team, like, like I say, come into its own. Mm-hmm. But that being said, that there's no way that they're going to make it to the finals of the West. And if they do, they're going to get swept by the Warriors. Yeah, it's too tough. Like, I just don't think they have enough... Uh, enough bullets in the chamber to compete with, to put up the amount of points that you would need to, to score with either the Rockets or the Warriors, right? So it's a tough battle, but I agree with you again, and we will turn down, we will both turn down on the Warriors being, or the Wolves being a real threat in the Western Conference, but still a great story so far. And it just shows the depth, because if you move that team to the East, like that's a real, real team in the Eastern Conference, no? Now, now you're talking, you know, but you get to- <laughs> You can say that about a lot of Western Conference teams right now. Definitely. And as we move over, speaking of the Eastern Conference, let's talk a little Toronto Raptors in our wrap it up segment. And I mean, right now, as we speak, the Raptors are still blowing out the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is just, you know, probably unheard of. Because people, if you would have asked, taken a poll of what Raptor fans or NBA pundits would have thought heading into a game, with no Kyle Lowry, no Serge Ibaka, probably wouldn't have had the Raptors' favor to win that game, much less the Raptors to blow out the Cavs. But beyond that, let's let's talk more about big picture raps, what's going on here. So Kyle Lowry got hurt against the Nets. And a funny story for you, Webby, no word of a lie, uh, C. Brown, 
who we used to we we both used to work with, right? Yeah. Before I left work, me and C Brown are just shooting the shit. We're just talking about the raps and how good the season's going. And I was like, yeah, you know, everything's going great. But the one thing that makes me nervous is it's about that time of year right now where that Kyle Lowry injury pops up. Right, the back injury. <laughs> just or something, the- right? Like we've seen it the past three years in a row, right? Where he just like wears down, down the stretch. And whether it's a wrist injury or it was an elbow one year. And I was just saying, you know, it's about that time of year. And then boom, that same exact night. Oh, he sent me like the most angry, the angry text (laughs) message. Like, what did you do? You jinxed it. And obviously we're joking and all jokes aside, but does that worry you? Is that something to worry you, Kyle Lowry, down the stretch here? Well, we were talking about it, I think, last week or, or two weeks ago about how the, the this like culture change with the Raptors is is really good for Kyle long term because it seemed like he didn't have to uh, take over the the, the low for for Toronto in, in the mid season, right? Yeah, this injury bug of his in the middle of the season, I, you just don't want to see him lose that conditioning. Yeah. That seems to be happening. Now, I think for the time being, they're they're fine. Like we've been saying, this second unit's been amazing. And the way that they're kind of rotating their players in and out of the game has been unbelievable. Dwayne Casey's done a great job. Uh, but I am worried about maybe his conditioning down the stretch because he is still so important to the team, especially come playoff time. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing in the regular season to be beating the Cavs and blowing them out. And we all know that the playoffs are a different ball game. But we know that, you know, it, at least for the regular season and down the stretch, because your seating is going to be so important, especially if you're trying to make waves in the East and you want those home games, that home game seven, if you're playing the Celtics or playing the Wizards or whoever, right? So these games will be important, but I don't actually think that the loss of Lowry will hurt them as much as it would have in past years. I think that's what you're saying as well. Just what we've seen with this culture change and the style of play that the Raps have now, the ball movement, like everyone's involved, like Freddie is ready to go. I know that's your guy, Freddie Van Bleet, right? And you know it, man. He, those guys, him and DeLon, are just ready to go off the bench. And Norm is slowly coming along. But the big picture is that, you know, you got these kids and you got this system. And it's just working for the Raptors right now. Where losing Lowry doesn't hurt them as much as it would have the past few years. Where, you know, they would kind of play 500 ball down the stretch heading into the playoffs. And have people really worried heading in. I don't think the same thing will happen this year. And so if you're Lowry, take the time and sit out and and make sure that you're healthy. No, exactly. Uh, but the problem is, well, not even the problem, but the thing with Lowry is, is that uh, he's not one to say, oh, yeah, okay, I'll just take a week or two off. You know that he, I, I bet that he was pretty close to playing in this Cleveland game. And it's going to take quite a bit to to keep him off the court. And that's good. And that's good. I think that, you know, obviously you don't want to rush back if there's still something wrong with you, but if it's just a bruised tailbone and something that uh, he can heal up after a couple of days, maybe even a week, uh, I don't think that that's a problem at all. No, totally. I agree with you for sure. And I think that, you know, all Raptor fans hope that he comes back and you're right. The way that he plays, it's a style of play, right? Like that's a freak injury that happens just because of, you know, how reckless, but I don't mean that in the negative connotation, but how like reckless he is with his body because he just plays hard. And I think for a play like that, it just shows you why Kyle Lowry is Kyle Lowry because he goes so hard all the time. So you kind of got to accept the little uh, 
nicks every 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 once in a while, right? The bumps and bruises every once in a while. So, you know, Kyle Lowry will be fine. But someone else who was a might have taken some bumps and bruises if things <laughs> went a little differently here. We mentioned the Cavs game and the Raptors were missing Serge Ibaka as well. They were missing Serge Ibaka because of a quote unquote fight or an NBA fight with James Johnson. <laughs> that, that game was, was kind of crazy. Was, in terms of NBA fights, that was pretty good. I mean, they were uh, there were some punches thrown there. There were kind of some. I feel like Serge kind of threw some punches, and James Johnson was throwing like some forearm elbows, like because some kind of get off me type shimmies. You know what I mean? The best part to me, anyways, was when Serge Ibaka. There's a one shot from below the basket, and you can see Serge Ibaka have the realization, I guess, that. I that probably James Johnson is a black belt. <laughs> yes. That I probably don't want to fight James Johnson of all people. And he just sort of raises his hands up and he's like, Oh, I'm good. I'm good. That was I the know. most amazing part to me. Uh, same, same with me. I mean, that was a uh, heat of the moment thing, but I think Serge realized pretty quickly. He was standing right in front of him. And we talked about like people talk a lot about their all like back alley NBA team. Yeah. You've got to put James Johnson in there just because he's like John. John Claude Van Damme with a black belt. Oh yeah, James Johnson like says that he can jump and kick the rim. Like what? Yes, like he says he can jump and like kick the mesh for sure, but he says the rim. Like that is crazy. That's insane, right? But he is a black belt. So, I mean, if you really want to know about James Johnson, just go to YouTube and put in James Johnson, Dan Levitard show, or maybe it was a highly questionable. I think he was on. And he was just yeah. telling the story of how he grew up in a family of black belts and how if they had to solve issues with any of them, amongst any of them, they would have to fight it out. <laughs> like, imagine that as a thing. You have to fight with like you have an you have an issue with your brother or your dad. It's like, all right, let's go outside to the ring. And you gotta fight it out. Like what? No, no, no. It's not the ring. You take it to the dojo. My bad. My bad. My terminology was off. <laughs> well played, Webby. Well played. But the the other little dust up happened at the end of the game between DeMar DeRozan and Goran Dragic. Now, to me, it, obviously, we know that James Johnson would dust Serge Ibaka. But what about Dragic and DeMar? What do you think if like it actually came down to it? What's going on there? Who you got? Oh, well. I think that Dragic has either been working on his English or DeRozan's been working on his Croatian. Because <laughs> Dragic leaned right in there and said something to DeRozan that led to a slap. <laughs> so good. It was so good. And like, I, I was just reminded of the Vince Staples shit that he did for The Ringer, where he's like, don't try DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> you don't want to Yo, try DeRozan. You don't want to try DeMar DeRozan. Yes, that Compton boy, not someone you want to mess with at all, Goran Dragic. But that was just an, a funny sight to see. But, you know, it was rare to see DeMar kind of get that mad. We don't really see that from DeMar. We see that a lot from Serge, though. And I wonder, like, what is it with Serge Ibaka? We've seen him get into it with the Lopez twin. I think it was Robin. We've seen yeah, him get into Rob. it with LaMarcus Aldridge, right? What is it with Serge Ibaka? I, something about playing down low. Something about playing in that painted area that gets guys going. He's, it happened to Shaq too a bunch back in the day. Like Serge, he, he, like is he the, that guy that is always doing like those little like cheap elbows or like grabbing dudes? Like I just wonder what it is. It's something to pay attention to because I I wonder like it just I know obviously we watch Raptor games 
you know, so every time something happens to Serge, we know about it. But it just seems weird for a guy to always have these instances with other big guys in the league. Like, it just seems so weird to me. Also, too, two weeks in a row for Serge Ibaka getting into to scuffles, right? Because last week right. it was with a team official after, or was that two weeks ago? Whatever. Yeah, it no, it was Jamal McGlory that you think, well, we, right? We don't know who it is, right? <laughs> Jamal McGlory is just some reckless speculation from us, but we have no idea who it was with, right? We still don't know who, who that was with. There's no cameras around or no reporting on that. But back-to-back weeks, like, Serge Ibaka is just someone everybody wants to fight? Like, what is going on? It's so weird. What I like is this uh, budding... Um rivalry between the Raptors and Heat. Yeah, and I'm, here, I'm here for it. I'm here for that, like, um, you know, second-round matchup with the Raptors in the playoffs. I think that would be that would be an awesome seven-game series. I didn't even realize that Heat were all the way up to the four seed in the Eastern Conference. Bro, the Heat are good. Yeah, and like, even without Deion Waiters, who's about to shut it down for the entire season. Yeah, yeah, which is a shame. They might even be a little bit better. Yeah, it, it's been a crazy season for them, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays up, plays out. But obviously, the last time the Raptors and Heat met in the playoffs, that was a great seven-game series, and the Heat might be better equipped now to give the Raptors a go, but also the Raptors might be better equipped than they were in that playoff run as well. So that would be a great matchup. And, you know, add in... James Johnson, who was a who is a former Raptor, like you have a lot of different layers to that matchup. Maybe that is something to look forward to down the stretch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, and I think they play. Is it they? I, they definitely play once more. Yeah, yeah, but no, I definitely. They, I think they play a couple of times more, and that, those will be games to keep your eye on for sure, man. Yeah, they play two more times for sure. I'm pretty sure I looked it up. Not too long ago, just to make sure, but I'm pretty sure they played two more times. And also, too, because I'm pretty sure if we go back to that playoff series, I'm pretty sure Kyle Lowry almost punched out Goran Dragic a couple times yeah, <laughs> during that, yeah. season, that series as well, right? So maybe it is a little rivalry starting that we need to get renewed come playoff time. That will be fun. But as we move on, Let's move on to the Feed Me segment here on the Ball on Blast podcast. And as always, the Feed Me segment, the best things to come across our social media feeds in the world of basketball over the past week. And there is one thing and one thing only that dominated my social media feed this week, and it was the big ballers in Lithuania. Webby, what did you make of this whole situation where you had over 120,000 people watching a Facebook stream of a random basketball game in Lithuania. You know what? There's a lot of big ballers out there <laughs> who, who just want to be watching what the ball kids are up to. You know, it is, it is very strange. So I, I thought people had jobs. These things called jobs, you know, where they're not just watching the ball children run around Lithuania, you know? Now that being said, Hey, uh, good for Lavar, man. Uh, it goes to show that the that the ball family has pull, and that's not something that you can knock, right? Those numbers are real, mm-hmm. and, and good and good for them. Good for the ball family. Good for Leangelo and good for Lamelo, Lamelo and Leangelo. Yep, those are the two. Yep. All right. So, like, good for them, man. Um, now, obviously, the other thing that I heard was that the reality cameras were uh, in effect big time in Lithuania as well. 
oh, for sure. This is definitely going to be a part of the reality series, for sure. The Which thing kind was, of bums me out a bit because I wish it was a little more about the sport. But listen, <laughs> I'm not mad at it. You know, yeah, listen, the ball family's out there to make some dollars, so good. <laughs> and like I say, man, like the, the, it's supply and demand. If the demand is there, then LeVar and the ball family is going to supply. So good for them. It was interesting to me because part of Steve Kerr's whole rant was who even cares about the ball family? Like who, oh no, sorry. Who even cares about LeVar Ball? Which I found very interesting because obviously a lot of people do because a lot of people tuned in on Facebook of all things to watch this basketball, like this random youth basketball game in Lithuania. Like that is completely ridiculous to me, right? And I know that in our Feed Me segment, we talk about just the ridiculousness that goes on in basketball from week to week. But this was kind of another level to me because I would check that out, you know, like, but what I asked most people, they were kind of like, this is stupid. Like, I don't really care. But then you tell them the numbers and they're kind of like, oh, okay. Do you kind of notice a divide in terms of people who are kind of like, screw this LeVar Ball thing, but other people that are like totally in on it? Have you noticed this divide kind of amongst basketball heads? Yeah. Yeah. A bit. You know, I, I find though that like there's that interest in people who watch basketball and pay attention to the sport that there that there is an interest in what these kids are doing and, and how good they are at least. Yeah, and I think to me and for me, like obviously we're both basketball heads, right? So we'd be we're here to like talk about basketball and all that stuff going on too. But I also think the biggest divide with this whole Lavar Ball thing. I think there's a cultural thing here. Like, I think there's a, a a divide where, you know, it's way too easy for people to make it seem, because I've seen people throw this out online that it's the whole black guy thing that you can't control. And when you can't control the, what you deem angry black guy, that's when the revolt comes. And I think that's too like simplistic in this, in this instance to just make it a black or white thing, because I think it's a culture thing. And what I mean by culture, Webby, is there's like this internet basketball kind of hipster, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's like a different culture of people that like, whether you're out, you're, when you're outside of this, there's just things that you will have no idea about. Like when people use the term black Twitter, right? I think that there's a section of the population that will get that and understand that and even have an understanding that it's not necessarily like black or white, but you know what I mean? Like it's more about the culture. Absolutely. It's a subset of like, there's that sports culture mm-hmm. and then there is that subset of basketball culture. And yes. I think that the ball family has done a really good job of kind of finding that niche yes. and really exploiting it sounds negative but kind of um uh, appealing to it yeah i know i'm not articulating myself well enough when i'm trying to say this because i've been thinking about this for a while because i've been paying attention to who are the people that are just automatically out on lavar ball at this point right and i'm noticing that it's the people who aren't really interested in the culture and what i mean by that is like think about all the things the ball family are doing right Culture is creating content. Culture is shoe culture, clothing culture. Do you know what I mean? Social media. Yes, social media. Like all these things that if you're really outside of and you don't really participate in or really care about, then this whole ball thing would be super annoying to you. But if you care about not only basketball in terms of like whose team wins and loses, but basketball culture and like the jokes of the NBA of like what's going on with that and how that cross-section meets with hip-hop, let's say, and how that cross-section meets with 
sneaker culture and fashion culture and do you know what i mean like is that making sense i think that to me are the people that don't understand the ball family and just what's going on with this whole movement because it is a movement and then i think that blinds people in terms of oh that's just loud lavar yelling but to me the first thing i thought of webby I'll say this much, okay? Like, I grew up in the East End around a school called Eastern Commerce, right? I grew up in, like, inner city Toronto, and I played sports growing up. I know a lot of people that played sports growing up, and a lot of people who didn't make it who would have loved to play professional sports, who would have loved to have a dad to literally create a league for them to play in. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, and people are mad at this. And and to me, I can't fathom why people are so mad at him being loud and being, like, you can't just create a league by just creating a league. Like, there has to be, you know, like, you have to get people to buy in. And to get people to buy in, you kind of have to be the character that LeVar Ball is, no? Right. And even before before all that, you have to believe in in the sons that you are putting out there oh yeah. you know Definitely. before believing in the in the culture or the product you gotta believe in the skills of your of your kids yes and your ability to like teach your kids and groom your kids and that they're ready to handle this right but like this guy like that's the part when I, i'm i'm looking at people who are upset at this lavar thing and i'm like this guy like i think like and i'm including myself in that right like imagine your dad like you're not that good or you're a certain level, however good you are. And your dad literally created a professional league for you to play in. Also gave you your own shoe deal and got you your own clothing line and all these things. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's so many people with no dads or like, you know, dads were that were pretty great dads or driving to hockey all the time in the morning and like great dads. But then the next level shit that LeVar Ball has done for his kids, I'm just like, how are people mad at this? Like he created an entity that has people watching Facebook's feeds, watching his sons play. It's you're, you're, you're spot on. I'm totally fascinated by all of this. And also too, like I'm a reality TV head as I think you are too, done some shows right we both share our love for the challenge let's say right but you know the reality tv side of this too like it's a social experiment like and i'm here for all of that just to see how different people interact in different situations and what better than you know this family living in lithuania trying to play professional basketball that's amazing to me that's hilarious not only that, yeah, like you say, that hundreds of thousands of people tuned in. Oh, it's cr- some of the numbers that I don't even want to report some of the numbers I saw because it just seemed like too fake. But it, like some people are trying to throw out that a million people tuned in at a certain point. Like if you add up all the numbers to this Facebook feed, and I'm just like, this is like that is ridiculous that number. <laughs> but at crazy. the same time, like. Hey, my challenge is still out there for people because I know you're probably getting tired of me talking about the Ball family, but watch the first episode of the reality show and see how he handles the actual like family stuff with his wife and you get a better understanding of just like what's going on with that family and like you'll remove yourself from your our normal perception of what an athlete is and what an athlete's family is. Right. Because I think like that's the biggest problem because we've never seen anything like this. Like we know about the hockey dad. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? We know about the hockey dad, but we've never seen anything like LeVar Ball before. No, no, exactly. Uh, But your take, are you tuning in? Are you excited for their next game? Will you tune in to the next game on Facebook? I think it's next week sometime. No. (laughs) And 
Do you know the beauty of that answer, Webby? Do you know the beauty of that answer? I love that answer because everybody can make that choice. And you're not mad at it, right? You're not mad at LeVar. You're not mad at LeAngelo. You're just like, why would I watch this random Lithuanian basketball game, right? Exactly. (laughs) And like, listen, if something does happen, I'll see it on social media. Exactly. Like I saw the the no-look pass that LeAngelo had on the fast break. I saw that. I I said, no, all right, sweet. But no, I'm not going to tune in, man. I couldn't even tune in for Sixers Celtics today. I'm bummed. I love it, Webby, but I love that you just summed up my point perfectly in in a way more simplistic way than I could have for sure. But like, if you don't like it, don't watch, don't listen, don't click on the article, change the channel, right? Like it's too easy. But, you know, one thing that we weren't changing the channel from, and, you know, this leads us perfectly into our Ask on Blast segment. And this question here, Webby, comes from Chris. The Golden Globes happened on Sunday night, and there was one person that stole the show, which led Chris to ask us, if you could vote, would you vote Oprah as president of the United States of America? Uh, Well, okay. A couple of caveats here. (laughs) Uh, If she's running against Donald Trump, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, But you know what? And uh, I'm not a big fan of Seth MacFarlane. You know, some of his shows are pretty funny. But I really did agree with the tweet that he had of, I don't know if uh, voting in a talk show host against a reality show host (laughs) is really the way that we want this country or, you know, this culture to go. But it looks like that's where we're heading. So if that's the way that it's going, then it makes sense that Oprah's up next. And listen, Oprah's an unbelievable speaker. She's an unbelievable uh, uh, entrepreneur and philanthropist and a very special person in the American culture. Uh, and I think the world of Oprah, she's done so much to change not only uh, the people within her culture, but people all across America, no matter their age, gender, race, anything. She is just that special of a person. I think she's great. Do I think she's a, would be a great president? I'm not sure. But if she's running against Donald Trump, I'll definitely vote for her. Amazing, right? And the funniest part about this to me was, first off, if you haven't seen the speech, which I think everybody has by now, the speech that Oprah gave at the Golden Globes, take the nine minutes and watch it because it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Here, here's the thing that I found so funny about this because people obviously were throwing out the Oprah 2020 and, you know, it was kind of a joke. And then all of a sudden, like it started gaining so much steam that then the counter push that always happens on Twitter, right? It's like the pendulum swinging the other way now came back and was like, oh, wait, are people actually serious about Oprah being president? Like, that's not a good idea. Like, that's not like I love Oprah, too. I think Oprah is great. Oprah is amazing. But like. How possibly could people realistically be discussing Oprah as a candidate when like you don't you have no idea about what Oprah's policies would be? What's right. what are Oprah's thoughts on, you know, the war in Iraq? What are Oprah's thoughts on healthcare? What are like we have no idea about any of these things. And people are like, yeah, I'd vote for Oprah. Like, come on. That's the part that I found funny. But I do have a suggestion. That could work instead, Webby. All right, what do you got? Right, if you say LeVar Ball, I'm, the, the phone is getting hung up. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. No LeVar Ball. No LeVar Ball. Follow me for a second here. Okay. Okay. So, what if you made Oprah the queen of the United States of America? Think of this. Follow me for a second here. What does the queen of England really do? 
Nothing. Right? But it's a great figurehead. Everyone respects the queen, respects the royal family, you know, so much so that, like, we're talking about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry all the time. And, like, what do they really do? Nothing really. What's the royal family? Like, what does that matter? Doesn't matter at all. But it's a great figurehead of, like, a leader of a union, right? So they should just make Oprah the queen of the United States of America. That makes more sense to me, no? This is a pretty good call. The only problem with this is is that America was uh, founded on sticking it to the monarchy. (laughs) So coming up with a king or queen of America (laughs) is going to rub people the wrong way. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe time's up, Webby. Time's up for some change. I don't know. (laughs) But the other thing is, like you said, I mean, uh, like I'm not sure what Oprah's uh, policies would be, where she stands on this and that. There's one thing that I do know. Okay. Uh, it's going to be better than Donald Trump. Well, I mean, that kind of goes without saying. <laughs> yes, definitely. Oprah for Queen. That's my take there, Webby. And I think Oprah that's. Oprah for Queen. Queen Oprah. Although a couple people might be mad because they're going to say there's already a Queen and her name's Beyonce. But hey, maybe we'll save that debate for another day. <laughs> okay. Don't want to get the beehive mad at us, right? No, 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 we can't. We can't do it. But I think that's a good place to end, especially as, I mean, the Raptors are still laying the beat down on the Cavs. And, you know, maybe we'll get ahead of this top conversation that's probably going to dominate tomorrow, Webby. Uh, Overreaction, what do you take away from the Raptors blowing out the Cavs in this game? I mean, I I said it last week, and, uh, like, their week uh, so far has kind of, like, backed it up, especially – doing this to the Cavs without Serge and Kyle, mm-hmm. I think there's a really good shot that the Raptors could be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Yes, and obviously, you know, people will overreact and, like, be convinced that the Raptors are a great team and the Raptors, like, have a chance against the Cavs in the playoffs. And I'm not going to temper that those expectations because, hey, Raptors fans, enjoy this, right? Like, you're blowing out the Cleveland Cavaliers after they've embarrassed you in the playoffs two straight years, you know, enjoy this victory for what it is, but remember what it is. And it's a regular season. And Hey, it's good reps for the young bucks. Great reps for the young bucks. Actually, you know, great to get your fan base excited, but as I said, last year, it's not going to matter until you can beat the Cavs in the postseason. Exactly. To steal the line again, have that same energy every time you meet the Cavs, Right. Every time you meet the Cavs, have that same energy. That's what I think the the biggest takeaway should be coming out of this game. Because, you know, obviously the, the, the other thing for the Cavs, Webby, and I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like they started off terribly, right? They're getting used to play with each other. They yeah. finally figure out how to play with each other. They go on a little run, and then IT comes back. And then now you got to figure out how to play. <laughs> you almost kind of have to do it all over again, right? And now we see them, we see them kind of struggling, no? Is that what's going on with the Cavs, do you think, or is there deeper issues? Well, there's deeper issues in that they can't guard anybody. <laughs> can't guard a team with a half-decent offense. Yeah. But the other one is, too, now it's going to happen again when Derrick Rose comes back. And then it's going to happen again when they try and make a deal and pull <laughs> off a trade for somebody else in the middle of the season. So this is going to be you know a whole season of the Cavs trying to find their way, trying to find a way to play with these new pieces. And can they get it done by the time the playoffs roll around? For sure. The Cleveland Cavaliers definitely will 
We'll need to figure some stuff out. And the Toronto Raptors, I mean, enjoy this win. But I will also like to give a huge shout out for this win to Drizzy Drake in the opening of his restaurant this week and to Mona, who probably all had a good part or a good hand in the Cleveland Cavaliers performance tonight. So shout out to them and shout out to Raptors fans for their support of this team. But again, my biggest takeaway is keep that same energy every time you see the Cavs. That's what I want to see. I like this, but keep that same energy. Absolutely. So I think that's a great place for us to end. And hopefully we can keep this same energy next week. And you'll join us back here. But hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ball on Blast podcast. Again, if you'd like to follow me, my name is Sheldon Alexander. You can follow me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And I am Andrew Webster. You can hit me up on all social media at a Webster 84. Uh, does that also include MySpace? Oh, you know what? Uh, I'm sure I've got a MySpace page <laughs> floating around there somewhere. If I do fire it up, I'll put you in the top in, in my top eight. <laughs> Fair enough, Webby. Well, until next week. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Till next week, see ya. Peace. Ball on blast.